The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 112 Picky Girl Chili, 1886, May 2nd. Ilium, Colorado. Oh, my charming Nellie Ray, they have taken you away. You have gone to Van Damon's cool shore. For you skinned so many tailors and robbed so many sailors that will look for you in Peter Street no more. Throughout the bar, Paris's brothers, Colin and Alcibi, sang as Alan played the piano and Poe played the guitar. Even Paris herself seemed to whisper the lyrics as she looked at her cards once and then set them on the table. Night had fallen, and across the street the men had gone quiet, finding places to rest inside the railway station, and eating what small supplies they had brought with them. They stared at the bar with envy. The music was lively, and they wanted to join in. They knew there was food and drinks in the bar, but they had been ordered to stay put. One night without supplies wouldn't kill them. I raise, Hades said as he set a piece of gold coin on the table. Hades was playing poker with gold coins. Paris had tried to explain that none of them had that kind of money, and he said he didn't care. They can consider an eighth of a coin worth a penny, a half a coin worth a dime, and a whole coin worth a quarter. Paris had wanted to complain that that's not how math works. But the man was betting with gold coins. She decided not to ruin a good thing. Call. Paris said calmly as she placed a dime in the center of the table. Her cards set in front of her. She was not looking at them any more. She was just watching me as I stood across the bar talking to Alcibi. I turned and smiled at her. She smiled back at me. Pay attention to the game, Hector said. How am I supposed to tell what you have if you're making googly eyes at your wife instead of looking at your cards? He complained. You should fold, Paris told him as she ignored his advice and continued to watch me. I'm folding, Simon said, as he set his cards on the table face down and took a drag off his cigarette. It's not your turn. You can't fold yet, Hector instructed. All right, fine. I don't fold yet, Simon said, as he picked up his cards and once again looked at them. I think you're bluffing, Hector said to Paris. I'm not bluffing. You should fold, Paris instructed. You know... Somewhere on a riverboat in Mississippi, this would be considered collusion, and you'd both be thrown overboard. Hades commented. I'm not colluding. I'm trying to warn him, but he's not going to take my warning. The only question I have is whether he raises or he just calls. Paris responded. You want me to fold? That's why you're saying this. You want me to fold because you're bluffing. Hector pointed at her. I never bluff. Paris replied. How would we know if we don't call? You could be bluffing all the time and I wouldn't know it. I raise. Hector said as he put four quarters on the table. I fold, said Simon. Go ahead, Yankee. You in or not? Paris asked Homer. Homer studied his cards and looked across the table, then set his cards face down. Fold, Homer said. What do you have? Simon asked him. Homer picked up his cards and showed them to Simon. Damn, Yankee, you folded with that. You should have stayed in. 
Simon instructed. You think? Hey, the hands are not over yet. Put those cards down. Hector complained. This is really the most interesting game of poker I've ever played. Hades commented. You know where I come from. We typically play for articles of clothing. The more you lose, the more you lose. (laughs) He laughed. Really? Where do you come from? Homer asked. Down under. Hades replied. Australia? Asked Paris. But you don't have any accent at all. Well, mate, if you wanted to hear my accent, you could have just asked. Hades replied in an Australian accent. But the truth is, I've been all over. So I try to adopt whatever accent is being spoken locally. It seems to put people at ease and calm them. How's my Western? (laughs) Well, Luke would say there's not enough Southern in it. Paris said with a little bit of Luke's accent. But you're doing fine. Okay, Eddie, what do you got? I got nothing, Hector said as he threw his cards face up. He indeed did not even have a pair. Then why didn't you fold when I told you to? Paris asked. Because I thought you were bluffing. I was sure you would fold if I pushed you. Next time, Eddie, don't call a bluff with a bluff. Paris instructed. So you were bluffing? Hades asked. I don't know. You're next. Let's see what you have. I have three fours. Hades said as he set his cards on the table. Straight. Paris said as she set her cards on the table. Damn it! I would have won. How did you do that? Homer asked as Paris gathered up her winnings and pulled them over to her. Henry taught me how to play poker. She claimed. What does that have to do with it? Homer asked. Well, Henry's a bit of a con man. Paris laughed. He taught me how to manipulate people into doing what I want them to do. Like... Going all in when they have nothing. Paris nodded her head at Hector. Well, I'm I'm busted. Hector claimed as he stood from the table. Here, take my spot. You can play with my winnings. Paris said as she also got up. Really? Hector smiled. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to turn in for the night. Paris looked past the table, smiling at me across the room. All right, go have fun. I'll take care of your money. Hector sat in her chair, counting out what was now in front of him. I'm out too, claimed Homer as he got up from the table, gathering his money and slipping it in his pocket. Hey, Yankee, thanks for sticking around, Paris said as she patted him on the shoulder walking past him on her way to me. Sure, Homer replied, but she wasn't paying attention anymore. Homer went up to the bar. Whiskey? Henry asked. Beer, if that's okay. Of course, chili. Sounds wonderful, Homer replied. He set a nickel on the counter. Keep your money. If you're willing to defend this bar, then it's on the house. Henry went to the kitchen for the chili. Simon walked up to stand next to Homer, and then turned to look towards Alan playing the piano. Did you get your interview? Simon asked. Not yet, but she promised when it was over. Homer answered, as he turned and watched Alan as well. If we survive, Simon added. I have a feeling we're going to be okay, Homer said. Henry returned with a bowl of chili and a pint of beer. He set them next to Homer, and then, taking an ashtray from under the counter, he set it next to Simon. Is that your Yankee intuition? Simon asked. Can I ask you a question? And I don't mean to be rude about it, but why does everybody call me Yankee? Helen is from New York, too, and no one calls her Yankee. 
Simon looked at Homer, still wearing his pinstripe suit, still wearing the hat Alan had given him. Well, to start with, you answer to it. If you don't care for it, you should speak up. Sometimes, to tease her, we call my sister Annabelle. You go ahead and try that sometime. See what she says. She doesn't like it? She downright hates it. That's why it's fun to tease her with it. And maybe we've been teasing you a little bit. Makes you part of the family. But you still don't call Helen Yankee. We don't call Helen Yankee because we know she's here to stay. She showed up here committed. She's never going back to New York. So now she's one of us. She's not a Yankee. She's a Lee. So if I decided to stay, everyone would stop calling me Yankee? We all know you got your interview to finish, your story to write. Then you take it back to New York and you'll be gone. We're all holding our breath, wondering how bad it's going to hurt Alan. I don't want to go back. Maybe I'll just send my manuscript by post, along with my resignation letter. You're still wearing your pinstripe suit and your dress shoes. You're wearing his hat. So you have one foot here and one foot there. I look at you and I have hope. Then I look at you again and the hope fades. I'll make you a promise. The day you tell him you're staying, I will go to every one of my brothers, to Colin and Henry. I will go, if I need to, to every single person in this town, one by one, and tell them if they call you Yankee one more time, I will knock them on their ass. You'd do that for me. I would do that for family. But don't avoid the question. The question is, are you going to stay? If I go, I won't be gone forever. Don't tell me. Tell Alan. Simon instructed. Homer pulled a chair up next to the piano. Alan, seeing him, started to play softer. You okay? You shouldn't... Well, everybody knows... My sister in poker, I... I think... I can't prove it, but I think she cheats. Alan laughed. That would explain a few things. But I'm okay. I still have a little change in my pocket. Homer replied. Then what's wrong? You look... sad. When this is done, I think I might have to return to New York. Homer looked down at his feet. And that makes you sad? Alan asked. Very. I don't want to go. I'd rather stay here. If that's okay. You're asking me? Alan turned back to the piano and played a little bit, then stopped altogether and closed the hood and leaned on it with his elbows. Well, I, I can't say. I, I want... It would be... I, I don't know. It's not my place, Alan tried to explain. But if it were, if it were your place to decide, what would you decide? Homer asked. I can't. Only, only you can. What would you decide? I don't know either. Mm, I understand. Alan opened the piano and began to play again. What do you understand? Homer asked. I understand you haven't decided, but you have time. Tell me when you're ready. How long do I have? Well, take as long as you need. Just, just stay with me until... Then it'll be okay if it takes forever. Alan kissed him. Okay. Do you think Odie would like beer, whiskey, or water? Paris asked. I smiled at the fact that she was now calling him Odie, too. Let's bring him one of each, and then he can decide. 
Do you have the chili? Does he want regular chili or the good stuff? Paris asked. What's the good stuff? I asked in return. She means that god-awful concoction she came up with. Hector answered from the corner of the bar as he walked over to us. Henry calls it picky girl chili because I make it without any meat in it. Paris explained. If it doesn't have any meat in it, it's not chili. Hector insisted. It is chili. It's my chili. And if you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. I would prefer you didn't, because the mushrooms are hard to get sometimes. It has mushrooms in it? And walnuts. Hector added, turning his nose up the idea. Why don't you eat meat? The meat is for the coyotes. Paris replied. What kind of rancher doesn't eat meat? Hector asked. I don't see how you can raise a calf to full-grown steer and then slaughter it, chop it into pieces, throw it in a pot, and eat it. Some of those animals had names. It's cannibalistic, Paris argued. You go hunting, and you kill plenty of animals then. Yes, but I don't know them personally. And I don't eat them. I share them with the coyotes and the other wild animals that do eat them. Coyotes. You and your fucking coyotes. I should get the boys together and hunt down those coyotes so they stop going after my chickens. My coyotes don't go after your chickens. I made a deal with them, and they're keeping to it. But if you kill even one of them, I will break that deal, and you'll have them all over the place. Do you hear this? She made a deal with the coyotes. What kind of nonsense is that? Hector asked me. Well, do the coyotes still eat the chickens? I asked in return. No, not really, Hector said quietly under his breath. Then the deal must have worked, I added. It figures. You take her side on this, Hector complained. I will always take her side, I said as I took her hand and held it. I give up. Enjoy your coyotes and your picky girl chili. I'm going to have a bowl of real chili with all its yummy, meaty goodness, Hector stated and then went to the kitchen. Let's bring Odie meat chili. We'll keep the good stuff to ourselves. Of course, my love. I'll be right back. When Paris returned, she had a tray on which she set a bowl of chili and a half a loaf of bread. She carefully set a glass of beer, a shot of whiskey, and a glass of water on it. Then, double-checked to make sure she had all the utensils Odysseus would need, we headed upstairs. Just before the door, I stopped, and I took a deep breath. Are you okay? You know, we don't have to do this. I could send one of my brothers. Paris looked at me with concern as she waited for me to be ready. No, it should be me, but please stay with me, I asked. Always, Paris replied. I opened the door and walked into the room we locked Odysseus in. He was still tied up and sitting in a chair. In my life, I had seen a man on occasion, but this was bad. He didn't speak, he just stared at me. Don't look at me like that. You've locked me in a room for nine years. I've locked you in a room for six hours. I think if either of us has the right to be mad about it, it would be me. I never tied you up, he replied. That's because you had faith that I wouldn't run away. If you promise me you won't run away and try and rejoin Agamemnon's men, I will untie you, I told him. Paris walked behind us and set the food down on the nightstand next to the bed. She walked back, crossed her arms, and leaned against the door, holding it closed. 
Helen, these people are going to die. Let me help you end this. If I take you back, I'll do what I can to make sure he leaves this town in peace. These people are my family. Each of them has chosen to risk their life for us. They know the pain and sorrow of not being allowed to be themselves, of not being allowed to love the people they love. They know how it feels to live in a world that tries to control the very nature of who they are. They have chosen to fight with me because they honor and respect the sacrifice it takes to live free. Even if they die? They're not conscripted. They have not been forced into it or tricked into it. They have decided to each fight for their own reasons. Can you say the same about the Baron's men? If the Baron was not forcing them to be here, how many of them would simply just go home? I pulled the chair over from the vanity and sat in front of him. I know you don't believe in the myth. I know you don't believe in the story. But you do believe in your ability to make a plan. So I want you to use it for me. I want you to make me a plan. But not for what will happen. I know what will happen. I want you to make a plan for the ten-year-old girl you found in the closet. I want you to think long and hard about who her family was. Who you were. What was going to happen in France? I want you to think of a way that girl gets to live free from the threat of a husband who would rather beat her than see her happy, and from a father who would rather lock her away until he could sell her to the highest bidder. Think of all the things that have occurred outside of the myth and the stories. Consider the reality of my situation and how it was, and tell me, how can that girl grow to be free and marry the woman she loves? Odysseus was quiet. I could see his mind working as he went over the problem in his head. I knew once the puzzle was presented, there was no way he would stop the process from happening. He would find the truth. But Helen, she's a woman. How could Paris of Troy be a woman? I don't think Lucy would approve. Lucy? <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely certain Lucy would have no problem with it. Paris replied. If you're trying to once again insinuate that my wife dated the Reaper, I can assure you she did not. She hunted the Reaper. She was the detective hired to find your grandfather. That's how she knew him. Paris laughed. Oh, you, you should tell him. You have to tell him. She told me, trying to control her laughter. I can't tell him. I promised Penelope I wouldn't. I replied. Then can I tell him? Paris asked. I never promised you wouldn't tell him. Go ahead. Paris walked over and stood behind me as I sat in front of Odysseus. There are times in my life where I didn't know if I could go on or not. Paris admitted solemnly. During one of those moments, when I believed, maybe, I was wrong to be the person I was, my mother admitted that he had been in love with a girl as well. He didn't tell me much about her, and until I met you and Helen, I had no idea who this woman had been. He just said he dated a woman named Lucy, and that he had almost married her. Think about it. Remember everything you know. Put it back together. What does your mind tell you is true, and what is not true? I asked him. Once again, he went quiet, and his mind worked, and his eyes went wide as he looked at Paris and then back at me. Why would she hide this from me? He asked. I think because she's afraid of how you'd react. No one wants to be judged or rejected by the person they love. 
and to tell you, she would have to give away Luke's secret, which wasn't hers to give. Why couldn't you just have let this all go? Why does it have to be like this? Odysseus asked. I asked the goddess for advice, and she came to me. She told me three things. She said, I would have to defy my father, betray my husband, and join the game. I didn't know the father she was referring to was you. Odie, I love you. I really do. You are the father I would have hoped for. But all children must one day stand on their own, and in doing so, they must defy the people that raised them so they can be free of their control, proving they are ready to be their own person. I didn't mean to hurt you. But I must claim my life for myself. I must be the woman I was always meant to be, I explained to him. <sighs> Untie me. I won't run away, I swear. Odysseus said, and I believed him. I began to untie his bindings and let the ropes drop to the floor. Paris picked up the ropes and quickly coiled them in her hand. I would like to talk to Anna for a moment, if that's okay. Yes. Of course. I'll be right outside if you need me. I stood from my chair and walked out of the room. I shut the door carefully and then leaned against it, my ear pressed to the door so I could hear. I want her to be happy. I always have. I can admit I have made mistakes. I apologize for my part in what has happened, but I have to know. Will you make her happy? Can you protect her? No one can do what I can do. I will outshoot. I will outfight. I will outsmart anyone who tries to hurt her. Not because she is mine and I control her. Not because I will lock her away and keep her from being free. I will kill anyone who tries to hurt her because I am her bodyguard. I do not claim her. I submit and accept her claim on me. And you can make her happy physically. Odysseus asked. <laughs> well, I'm not going to draw you a diagram. Paris laughed. But I promise you, both of us are very happy. About the men out there. If there's anything I can do, just let me know. I don't need anything tonight. I think everything's going to be quiet until they get resupplied. Stay here. Enjoy your supper. Paris began to walk towards the door, but then stopped and turned back. You know... I once had a boxing match with my father. Just once, we had a real match. Not a sparring match, not practice, not training. We had an audience, and it was for my title belt. For 30 minutes, we beat the shit out of each other. And I won by a hair's breadth. I beat him. After that, our relationship changed. He no longer tried to protect me. He no longer tried to keep me safe. He was my father but he treated me from that point on with respect, and he trusted that I would make my own decisions. Whether they were right or whether they were wrong, he knew I could survive. Are you trying to tell me something? Is there a point to this story? He taught me how to fight, and to earn his respect, I had to fight him. Helen has been planning and plotting her entire life to get to this point, to be the person she wants to be, Lucy taught her magic, myth, and storytelling. Her father taught her to be ruthless and deadly. But you, you taught her to plan, plot, and scheme. And if she outmaneuvered you, then she beat you at your own game. Don't be mad at her. Be proud of her. 
You taught her well. I know. But it's not easy letting go. You don't have to let go. You should always be there for her. But from now on, instead of trying to help her by forcing her down a path you think is best, accept the path she has chosen and help her walk that one instead. Stop fighting her. Stop fighting her. She's already won. Before I go, can I ask you something? Yeah, go ahead. He said. You told me she makes deals with everybody. What did she agree to do for you? She promised to try and use people's real names. He said. And what did she get in return? In return, I was to keep the secret about her butler. Castor? What about Castor? Paris asked. Odysseus shrugged his shoulders and replied, I can't tell you. I promised I wouldn't. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. <laughs>